0: The oldest known one, based on the ones they've caught, lived 392 years, plus or minus 120 years. So it was born between 1504 and 1744. Imagine the things this thing has seen. Like, look at the immortal jellyfish. We're going to get into that in a little bit. This, like, immortal jellyfish. They're trying to figure out how to put that DNA in human beings, I think. Like, their neuron.
1: neurons. Exists everywhere all over their body so it's like this field but the field extends out dimensionally in space and time in order they can tell the future
0: Welcome to the Metaphysical Podcast, where today we'll be diving into the telepathic strange and mysterious things that can really only happen in the ocean. Pistol shrimp have supersonic weapons hotter than the sun and deadlier than you think. The Greenland shark may be a supernatural cryptid that can live for hundreds of years. Are there deeper truths beyond the Inuit legends and stories of this slow-moving scavenger? Some creatures have bizarre ways of surviving impossibly cold conditions. And do immortal jellyfish and fortune-telling octopuses tell us more about the nature of life longevity and the human body?
1: Bizarre things happen in the ocean and all over the world, that's for sure. Hear all about them in this metaphysical episode that's out of this world. Are you listening to The Metaphysical Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or elsewhere? Leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us reach more people. And remember, you've got to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, Twitter, and Facebook. John, how you doing? Hey, what's happening?
0: Yeah. So what? This has got to be like the fourth episode that we've done on animals we decided to to uh, change it up a little bit today we're going to be hitting uh seafaring animals which is going to be probably just as mind-blowing as the land animals that we've encountered thus far
1: yeah you know i like the the sea animals have existed and evolved in a totally different environment Mm. um so they have different types of abilities, which are absolutely fascinating because it's like we can we can relate to a certain degree to land based animals and mammals because we understand that realm. But when you get into the ocean, things get a little bit different.
0: Yeah, they do. And, and there's. Man, there's so many varying different types of beings there that have strange exotic abilities that don't exist on land, right? Right. And we'll be getting into some of those today. You guys, uh, we're going to be going through some very, very interesting creatures that you've probably never heard of with abilities that should not be on this planet. They're like, we're talking about immortality, like near death capability or death and beyond. Um, things happening under the ocean that should never happen or things that we've been told are impossible to happen on planet earth actually happening in forms of communication per potential telepathic abilities, just strange, mysterious things that only the ocean could really, I think, um, things that could only happen in, in the ocean. Yeah. If you're, just kind of coming in on this episode in our previous episodes we covered very very interesting land animals leading up to the elephants which pretty much just blew our minds because elephants are just never seen anything like that so uh john have you ever heard of something called a
1: pistol shrimp yeah you know it's one of those things that You hear about, but it just leaves your memory. So I don't. I don't remember what they were about. So you're talking about a shrimp, a little shrimp, a a bottom feeder.
0: It's a little shrimp. It's a little bottom feeder. But this this particular bottom feeder has very very special capabilities. Um, they have this one claw. So there's two claws, right? You you know how a lobster one of their claws is bigger than the other. So you can imagine that as a shrimp, only. This particular shrimp, this pistol shrimp, it cocks its, its claw open almost as if it's like, um, snapping it into place. And then when it releases it, when it releases the claw, it, it basically creates a sonic boom. Seriously. A sonic, yeah. With a shockwave that gets as hot as the sun momentarily. oh yeah okay all right yep
1: i remember this now
0: yeah it's capable so after after its claw snaps there is a bubble burst it almost looks like an explosion has gone off in the water because the pistol shrimp gets shot back like you know several inches whatever i don't know how big it is and they shoot these bubbles at 62 miles per hour under the water so this Jeez. bubble gets shot at 62 miles per hour and the bubble burst stuns its prey. And then when the prey is stunned it can drag the the other shrimp
1: that it's that it's after into its little lair and do its thing. Well that's that is that's fascinating. That's crazy. That's interesting. It's um you know <clears throat> I remember probably late 90s, late 1990s, early 2000s or something, we were doing this one project that involved dolphins. And we were looking at um, some specific aspects about dolphins. And one of those aspects that at that time was very controversial, I don't know if it is today, was that um, dolphins would use uh, sonic or echolocation to actually, at a certain frequency, to to shoot out and stun fish, and so you know we we see this all in the data, and and literally they do do that, and that's what we we came to the conclusion back then, um, and we had a friend who was a researcher in that field and brought that information to them and they just discounted it. Like, no, they don't. They don't, I don't think they do that. They probably don't do that. But now what they're finding is that yes, they do do that. They do set sort of sonic blast at a certain frequency in order to stun their prey so they can capture them a lot easier. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's like a lot of this stuff where, um, science is not caught up to, what they're actually doing they're still trying to figure it out and they argue about it remote viewing cuts to the chase and tells you exactly what's happening so it's interesting because because well, like sound underwater moves i think about four times faster than in air and and they use that I and mean, there's probably other um underwater creatures that use the water in order to stun their prey like this shrimp is doing which is absolutely crazy because how in the heck does it create must create sort of a cavitation type effect or something with that with that uh, bubble that is able to cause that kind of a heat i mean that's just that's really I, I can't terrible.
0: yeah and it's underwater with with all of that resistance from the water i mean think about how hard that claw must be cocked and before they <clears throat> release and it snaps for them to get that effect like you right. can't it's like a it's like the equivalent of a thunderclap on land But I mean, several times greater, like the area around their claw gets as hot as the sun for a
1: couple of like, for a brief moment. What is that? I can see the military trying to figure that one out right? because I mean, you know, it's like, it's like what we've spoken about before in earlier episodes, I think we were dealing with underwater stuff. And when I was doing a lot of research about underwater stuff, it's just very scant. Because we we can we only exist within the general public within the first hundred feet of water. When you get deeper, like who rules the water? you know, who rules the land under the water? like you've got to imagine that the military has developed bases underwater like that nobody even knows about and they can develop whatever they want. so you would naturally look at, fish, the creatures underwater develop as far as defense mechanisms, as far as attacking mechanisms. And it seems like a lot of them will use, well, some of them will use the water itself as the weapon, Yeah, somehow manipulating the water.
0: Like the water is a conduit for a strange type of biological technology that we have no idea how to use.
1: Right. And up here, we're just playing with squirt guns, you know? (laughs)
0: i like playing with squirt guns but you're right it is that it's that relationship yeah and um you know just based off of what you were just saying it's you know we we had a whole series on you know antarctica and bases on Antarctica and all of this stuff and i i gotta imagine like the real place that we should be looking for all of this stuff like these bases and all of that is the ocean oh yeah like the amount of stuff that they must be experimenting on and figuring out has to be beyond our imagination. Beyond. Yeah. Hundreds of years beyond our imagination. Yeah. They've kept it so quiet. No one. I mean, even even every single time people try to privatize exploration in the oceans, a disaster happens and then nothing and doesn't go any further. I mean, look at that submarine that went down a couple of months ago.
1: The Titan, the Titanic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like they were trying to privatize, you know, deep dive submarine activity and billionaires died. That's how you stop development (laughs) right there. Exactly. You you have a disaster like that. I'm not saying somebody did that. I'm just saying like that stopped stone cold. It stopped. Right. You know? Yeah. Have you seen that movie, uh, The Meg? no i haven't seen that
1: yet i mean i've
0: got to watch it yeah it's a step up from sharknado (laughs) but it's still kind of a b movie but what's interesting about that movie or the the ideas around the movie um you know obviously if you're a scientist you're gonna have a hard time watching that movie because they're missing out on some like major points of pressure and different things however some of the some of the concepts that they bring up are really interesting where, you know, this idea that the Meg uh, exists under this uh, sort of layer of ocean below in the Mariana Trench, right? And so below this area, somehow there's not as much pressure. This thing is able to thrive and then it gets up into the regular ocean and just starts like wreaking havoc. And we're talking about like, you know, a massive Megalodon shark, right. which there have been sightings of, there have been satellite sightings of megalodon sharks. And we're talking about a shark that could easily swim up 1500 miles in a day.
1: You right. know, right. which is
0: very far. So there's, there's really a lot of weird stuff. You know, I mean, eventually we're going to have to do a show just on Megalodons. But if you guys are interested in sharks, we are going to be talking about the craziest shark we've ever found that is going to blow everyone's mind. It's called the Greenland shark. So hang on. We're going to get through a couple of more, a couple of more animals. And then we're going to get into the Greenland shark, which you're not going to be the same after hearing about that thing. It's weird.
1: So. Yeah. I was, I was just, I was just remembering back to my childhood and watching Jaws. I think like every kid watched Jaws and I grew up, yeah. you know, Southern California. So it's like, I was always in the ocean. And I mean, literally I couldn't go in the ocean for like two years after watching that. It's like, it was, that was bad. I mean, yeah. that was one of the scariest movies. <laughs> that was one of the sc- sharks. I don't know about sharks. I mean, you get to like, you know, whales, orcas, dolphins and stuff. You're, you're stoked. I mean, I used to go surfing and dolphins would surf the the same wave with me i'd be surfing with dolphins i mean right that's a normal semi-normal experience when you spend a lot of time in the ocean but the moment there's a shark you're out you go get out of the water immediately but when you've got dolphins around you're you're more or less gonna be safe from you know shark skullduggery well and and
0: allegedly sharks are afraid of dolphins dolphins have a way of headbutting those things and right. just sending them for a loop and they're right. very fast dolphins are very very fast and their
1: eyes like sharks eyes they're just dead
0: they are and they have that <laughs> thing that covers them when they like yeah. they're like like weird like monsters in the sea it's like know?
1: reptilians place them there
0: yeah (laughs) like reptilians put sharks in the ocean to kill everyone (laughs) it always comes back to reptilians (laughs) speaking of uh well (laughs) reptiles in general have you ever heard of a wood frog no i haven't gotta say i haven't (laughs) all right well we put it is called a wood frog which would kind of you know it would suggest land but you're gonna have to hear about this strange amphibian, which, you know, when I heard this, I was like, this is not possible. And of course, everything on the subject that we're covering or on uh, on the subject of animals that we're covering today is, is quite impossible. But the wood frog has developed a very bizarre way to hibernate during the winter. By freezing to death and returning to life in the spring, actual, frozen dead Okay so it can be it can be found as far north as Alaska and it survives winters by freezing for up to 7 months straight Okay now the frog's heart stops beating and its respiration completely ceases so by all accounts this thing would be considered dead by modern science Right totally dead Now these frozen frogs have been found to have blood glucose levels up to ten times higher than normal, which somehow helps the cells retain water despite you know freezing temperatures and all of that. When so when the wa- warm water comes back, basically uh, the they thaw out over a period of time, and then within to the fourteen to twenty four hours, completely fully functional again. It's like a zombie
1: friggin' zombie wow. frog. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I wonder if this type of research has gone into like cryogenic research. Most likely it has. I think all of these things in the ocean that do stuff like this, yeah, they, they
0: have been... Re- like look at the immortal jellyfish. We're going to get into that in a little bit. The, this like immortal jellyfish. They're trying to figure out how to put that DNA in human beings, I think. Right. To, you know, somehow help humans live forever which is you know it's always like respawning the... yeah yeah
1: <laughs> like video game respawning it is actually it is, it, actually yeah. it is.
0: It's exactly like that so apparently um you know regarding the wood frog there are other animals that can do this and in episode and episodes later on we'll when we cover animals and stuff again we'll probably be getting into some of these creatures but the koi and the Goldfish kind of can do something like this. Goldfish are really weird to begin with. Have you ever seen a goldfish that they let out into the, a river or something? You no. Know goldfish are like do. This big? Yeah, it'll get, it'll get like this big. <clears throat> Seriously. Like there are goldfish out there that people have caught that are like the size of halibut.
1: It's weird. It's like goldfish remind me of, of Guinea pigs where you never could ever believe for a second that they exist in the wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, it's just a pet, right? It's just, it's, just, it's just a pet that you keep. It never existed in the wild. It came out of someone's pocket originally. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the goldfish principle is
0: that it basically grows to fit the size of its container. So if you put it in an, a, you know, a little aquarium, it, this little guy is going to stay small. It's going to stay the size that's like normal for that environment. You put that thing in some type of like lake or river or whatever it is, this thing is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And then eventually, you know, it'll just get massive. And like um, a
1: killer goldfish. Like, if you put a goldfish in your pool, I mean, how big can you get it? I mean, massive. big, scary goldfish. Are, yeah, I mean, it'll keep getting bigger. Wow. Yeah. It'll eventually eat you.
0: <laughs> probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've literally, like, I literally have seen them being caught that are, you know, like almost a human width, like arm size, you know? Right, right. It's just crazy.
1: Do we know where goldfish are endemic? Like in nature? Like where are they endemic? Tropicals, it's a tropical-
0: It's a good question.
1: I mean, I've never, it's like hamsters again. It's like, where do hamsters come from? Or (laughs) guinea pigs, you know? I mean- We're getting (laughs) deep. We start asking philosophically sea like level pets, you know.
0: <sighs> OK, so uh, goldfish mainly occupy fresh inland waters and wetlands in temperature and temperate regions. Excuse me. They tend to live in bodies of water with slow or no movement. This includes rivers, lakes, ponds, streams,
1: marshes, bogs and swamps. I mean, can you imagine fishing? You're like fishing and you're like, oh, I caught a goldfish. Woohoo! Well- and if they get as big as i just described which they do why don't we eat them i nobody's gonna eat a goldfish you're not gonna catch a goldfish catch a Is goldfish it, and then eat it just why? Not. it's just like, it's like when you're when you're a kid and you get chickens and <clears throat> you name all the chickens you make friends with them you don't end up eating them unless your parents make you which yeah happens that happened to me actually we had actually had we actually had chickens and and Us kids, me, my brother and sister named them, and one of them was named Friend. We named it, and it was a nice chicken. And there was another one that was blind named Minerva. But anyway, one day my parents said, okay, we're going to eat Friend. And so we ate Friend. It was horrible. Everybody was sad when we were eating. It was terrible. So I can't imagine eating my goldfish. No. (laughs) Not going yeah, to Yeah,
0: but if you saw the size of this the monster Jurassic sized goldfish, you wouldn't recognize it as a normal goldfish. You'd just be yeah, like,
1: "Yeah, I'm not going to eat my Billy. Billy, the goldfish
0: is not going to get eaten. No way. No way. I don't think it looks like a gold. I don't think it looks like Billy anymore. Look at this thing. Lindsay's going to pull this up. You got to see this. It looks like look at the size of that. That's not a goldfish anymore, dude. <laughs> a 67 pound goldfish that this fisherman caught
1: that's like that looks like a deranged goldfish look at his it, eye it looks like a gold it looks like a goldfish if he if he started uh
0: shopping at walmart and was <laughs> and eating and mcdonald's was, what, are yeah, what are they feeding that goldfish what are they feeding that goldfish oh man <laughs> i mean this kind of looks like red snapper
1: yeah it does doesn't it well, yeah. you can go to this Minnesota Lake and go fishing for goldfish. How cool is that? <laughs> they're massive. Look at the size of that. Jeez. I wonder
0: if they're good to eat. Huh? I bet. I mean, they must be. Filet that thing. You'd never know, right?
1: Mm-mm, goldfish
0: meat. <laughs> I think if you were hungry enough, you'd eat goldfish. <laughs> so, so like, koi and goldfish do this thing where they, um, they can actually hibernate uh, when the when the weather gets really cold for quite some time, like in the winter months, they they just kind of stop movement and hibernate, and then when the water gets warm, they just go back to normal activity. So you're seeing this kind of in in cold water uh, in nature, but the wood frog takes it to that next level where right. this thing is like dead. Right, it's completely dead for a while, which is insane if you think about right. it. All right, so next, the Greenland shark. And if you weren't kind of turned off by any of the other uh, beasts that we've covered in the water, you will definitely be turned off by this thing. This thing is the scariness that we discussed when we were talking about great white sharks. uh, Multiply that by about 100. We're talking about like a bizarre monster cryptid shark called the Greenland shark, which lives longer than any other vertebrate species on the planet.
1: Okay, so how long? Can, how long does this live, be, dude? Between two hundred and fifty and five hundred years. Ah, so the so the Anunnaki didn't like cut back their lifespan. I see. <laughs> the oldest known
0: one, based on the ones they've caught, lived three hundred and ninety-two years, plus or minus one hundred and twenty years. So it was born between fifteen oh four and seventeen forty-four. Imagine the things this thing wow. has seen. Man, dude, it almost lived through the Renaissance it's just shy of the Renaissance. So the Greenland shark has the longest known lifespan. As I said, it can get between 7.9 and 23 feet. So between 2.4 and seven meters for those of you living in countries that use the metric system. And it's weight is between 880 and 3,090 pounds. That's 400. That's between 400 and 1400 kilograms. So this thing is heavy and the meat is considered a delicacy in Iceland. Okay, but it's super duper hard to make into an edible form because the Greenland shark is toxic. Unless you treat the meat for weeks, it even smells and tastes like urine because its flesh has a high uric acid content.
1: Jeez, yeah, that's a delicacy, huh?
0: Now check this out. Even even worse than that, because it's so old and weird, it has glowing eyes, because bioluminescent parasites attach themselves to the shark's eyes. So when you're yeah. looking at this things, its eyes got this like g- weird glow. It sounds like something you'd hear about in some weird Disney cartoon or something.
1: Look at that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's just intense. looks like.
0: You can tell that this is like the oldest shark in the sea. Look at that thing.
1: Wow yeah that's that's incredible that's incredible.'ve I've, uh, I've not ever remote viewed sharks unfortunately. It, you know why is that? I should we should check into that at some point. I used to scuba dive quite a bit and um, would run into sharks sharks a lot. I mean sharks I would run into sharks more than I would run into dolphins when I was scuba diving all different kinds of sharks. And most sharks are, you know, they just move away from you as fast as they can. But I can't imagine that one would move away as fast as it can from you. <laughs> that one yeah. looks so pretty it intense. Looks like a, it looks like a lurker. Yeah, it like does. It would,
0: like it would, it would just swim yeah. or hover and, and, and lurk and watch you. Yeah. <clears throat> Who knows, but... All right, so the Inuit legends of Skalugsuak. That's, I guess this name arose around this shark. One legend was saying, uh, that an old woman was drying her hair after washing it with urine and the cloth she used ended up in the ocean, which became the skalugsuak. Another legend says a God giant cut off his daughter Sedna's fingers and drowned her. And each of her fingers became a sea creature, including the skalugsuak. They also say that this shark lives in, uh, Sedna's urine pot and the sharks flesh smells like urine. So that acts as a helping spirit to shamans. So shamans are very interested in this thing and and it's flesh, I guess. Uh, Legends say that Sedna even became basically a mermaid with the head and torso of a woman and the tail of a fish with control of all the animals of the sea as a sea goddess and powerful spirit. There's also another legend that says that a mother and daughter were abandoned by their relatives, but saved from starving by dead seals washing ashore, given to them by a shark who rose out of the sea and said he would fulfill all of their wants. The Greenland shark is a very slow moving scavenger. So we were right. He'd be lurking and watching us. Right it'll basically eat anything check this out they found all kinds of fish and seals in their stomach but also polar bears moose dogs horses eels
1: beluga whales caribou and reindeer
0: dude how did they get their hands on a reindeer
1: uh swimming across the, i mean reindeer will will swim you know small bodies of water inlets stuff like That's that crazy. so you're talking about like the fjords and things like that they're going to if this across. thing
0: is taken out a polar bear. That's crazy. That's yeah. That's intense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You so, would well, definitely yeah. be creating a lot of interesting mythology around something like that.
0: Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your take on this thing
1: It lives older than anything else in the sea <laughs> oh, a- any, any vertebrate animal, you know, you gotta wonder if it's like a, a cousin of the Megalodon. If it's, if it's, if it's related to, well, obviously it is related. All sharks are related to that, but like, but closer, a closer cousin to the megalodon first cousin or something. Um, Maybe it's, it's uh, a rendition of it that happened just after um, they became what extinct. So they say, but I don't know, like you said, I don't think that they are extinct. I think that that what they've seen with satellite imagery is probably a megalodon, just like, Things like Nessie have been seen. Uh, what is it? Uh, what is Nessie? A brachiosaurus? Uh,
0: is that a brachiosaurus? Pleasiosaurus, yeah.
1: Pleasiosaur, right. So this thing is ancient, archaic. It's got this like ancient vibration, but it's also like one of those things where you feel it and it, it feels so primitive. It just is basically going off of instinct where something's moving, it eats it. You know, I mean there've been other things that they've found in sharks' bellies in general, like non-edible things. I mean, they just eat. You know, anything. Yeah. They'll just eat. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's like you know, when you're when you're surfing, you're sitting there on your board and you're waiting for waves. What you're doing is you're looking for the waves, but you're also scanning the water constantly and very aware of where your feet are because if you feel anything brushing up against it, you get out and you're, oh always, yeah, for sure. You're, you're one, one eye is on the waves. The other eye is on like what's around you in the water. And that is always the danger of sharks always. So I, I'm, I'm not into them. No, no, they're, they're, they're freaky. Well, but what do you make of this?
0: A great white shark, which is kind of the large, one of the largest sharks in the sea. Lit lives from 40 to 70 years. This Greenland shark lives crazy. Any, anywhere from 250 to
1: 500. Why are these two sharks so different? Think about that. Yeah, that's really wild. I wonder why that is strange. That, that's very different. I mean, that's a huge gap in age, huge, huge gap between the two.
0: And, and these, um, the,
1: these sharks only live in Greenland, huh? I mean, is there, is there a rendition of this shark anywhere else in the world? I don't
0: know. No, I, I have no, I mean, is it just living in, I've heard that Antarctica, the waters down there breed longer living, bigger things. Right. I guess you'd have to be to survive that.
1: Right. Well, you got to wonder if, if, if there is something going on with this shark that extends its life, like the woodland frog, you know, because it's in such cold waters, Hey, maybe maybe that's what it is. Is it slower? Everything's slower.
0: But then check this out. Um the sperm whales, one of the largest mammal whales in the entire world, those only live up to about 70 years. The Greenland shark, what, 392 years? They they found one? That's, that's just
1: five incredible.
0: 5 times the <laughs> the
1: age of one
0: of these whales. I mean, maybe more it's just it's hard to it's hard to imagine like what is it that makes this thing special? Is it just a it just feels like a like a shark out of time like this is one of the dinosaur sharks of old. It just didn't go away for some reason when the comet hit.
1: Well, I can imagine that scientists are, are, are studying the shark to try to understand why it lives so long with such a focus that humans have on longevity. I'm sure I'm sure the sharks being studied. It's got to be. OK, so
0: speaking of uh, weird things that that, you know, these Greenland sharks have eaten, we got a list of uh, the weirdest things sharks have eaten actually right here, which is pretty funny. Um, a bulldog on a leash. <laughs> oh but man it gets better a full suit of armor what what <laughs> i don't have the background on that one uh this one shark ate a porcupine that had to have been painful yeah i mean after we talked about porcupines the other day like if that thing shot in its stomach those porcupine bristles must have worked their way out of the shark without killing they must it. have yeah yeah a drum a cannonball a fur coat a horse's head. What is this guy in the mafia? A a tire, license plates, a video camera, an entire chicken
1: coop. How did it get a chicken coop?
0: No, no, how (laughs)
1: did it get a chicken coop? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) must've
0: been been a small one. How did it, yeah, how did it? It must've like eaten it off of a boat or something.
1: Someone had chickens on a boat, chicken coop on a boat.
0: that's an easy way to get to make uh food while you're on a ship
1: yeah that's true yeah
0: yeah so the chicken coop had chickens inside so he ate the whole coop he was like oh this thing's living i'll eat the whole thing okay so also found in a a shark's stomach a wallet and a bag of money a bag of money oh Oh, gosh sounds like mafia stuff again some of these sharks are (laughs) mafiosas okay so we got we got some information from the suit of armor according to a 16th century french naturalist guillaume rondelet the great white shark was once found with an entire suit of knight's armor inside its stomach it's thought the sea beast thought the soldier was a seal their prime source of food and gobbled him up before before realizing he wasn't quite as fluffy as the shark's usual
1: snacks. It's thought that the sea beast thought the soldier was a seal. I mean, come on. Like they'll eat um they'll eat anything. They'll eat cannonballs, fur coats, well, fur coat, yeah, tires, license plates. No, yeah. they don't think it's another fish or something to eat. They just Yeah, this these things eat would
0: it. eat would eat Oppenheimer's gadget. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So the immortal jellyfish. Onto the immortal jellyfish here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and attempt this. Turritopsis, opsis Aka turidopsis. the immortal oh. Yeah, turdopsis. Uh aka the immortal jellyfish. So it groaned into adulthood in a matter of weeks. So once it's born, it grows into adulthood. No time at all. Now keep this in mind. These things are tiny. It's 0.18 inches across. That's 4.5 millimeters across. It's smaller than a pinky nail.
1: Hmm.
0: Bright red stomach, edges lined with up to 90 white tentacles, transparent. An adult jellyfish is called a medusa. In response to physical damage or even starvation, they can take a leap back in their development process, transforming back into a polyp in a process that looks remarkably like immortality the born again polyp colony eventually buds and releases medusae that are genetically identical to the injured adult hmm. it p- reproduces itself genetically multiple versions of itself
1: wow it shrinks yes wow, so multiple versions, versions. Yeah. Huh.
0: yeah yeah it shrinks in on itself, reabsorbing its tentacles and losing the ability to swim. Then it settles on the seafloor as a blob-like cyst. Over the next 24 to 36 hours, the blob develops into a new polyp, the jellyfish's previous life stage, and after maturing, the Medusae bud off. The process has been likened to if a butterfly, instead of dying, could transform back into a caterpillar and then metamorphose into an adult butter- butterfly once again. Very wow. similar to the planarian worm
1: in a way. Yeah, it is. It is. It sounds a lot like that. That's I wonder how much how many creatures out there do this. Um, and how they develop that. That's fascinating. So that conceivably they can live forever.
0: Yeah. And multiple versions of them genetically are
1: clones. Yeah.
0: Yeah, clones. They're it's a cloning, they're a little cloning plant right anytime anything happens that's uh that's traumatic it just goes and, and clones itself multiple times to exist so we discussed these uh planarian worms in a previous episode so you got to go back and watch that it's fascinating that whole discussion now the process behind the jellyfish's remarkable transformation is called trans differentiation and of course this is extremely rare so transdifferentiation reprograms the Medusa's specialized cells to become specialized polyp cells, allowing the jellyfish to regrow themselves in an entirely different body plan to the free swimming jellyfish they had recently been. They can then mature again from there as normal, producing new genetically identical medusae. <sighs> it's weird. This life cycle reversal can be repeated and in perfect conditions. It may be that these jellyfish would never die of old age. Perhaps being eaten is the only way they die. Researchers documented essentially genetically identical immortal jellyfish distributed across the world's ocean, raising an intriguing question about the nature of mortality. If all of an organism's cells are replaced, is it the same individual? The genes are the same, of course, but is it the same? You know what's weird about this is during our own lifetimes human beings cells are constantly metabolizing which means that even after like several months it's not the same cells as the ones that we had and yet we're still the same being so you got i wonder like with this immortal jellyfish if this thing is like multiplying over time is it more like a network of jellyfish all all thinking and acting together with the same brain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, like there's one central, it's a network, basically network, network nodes. Yeah, I know you got to wonder, but you also have to wonder, how is life on other planets when it comes to how long they live according to like our earth specific ideas um, because it only makes it like a wondrous thing if we don't live that long and a lot of the things that we observe don't live that long right but 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 i think that 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 the deeper we go into these strange little worlds we'll find creatures that like that shark that live for 400 years you know that live for a long time because sometimes when we do look at other planets some of the life forms we do find sometimes it's like the lifespan that they have is appears to be a thousand years thousands of years right so it's like like we think of it as in this wondrous way this wondrous thing which it is probably a lot of that has to do with the limitations of, of the length of time that we exist here, you know, in one form. I mean, energy never goes away, it only transforms. So bodies will transform into energy in a sense. Back into the earth goes into, you know, when you're talking just about the physical. And so so when you look at it, it's like all of these life forms. Go back to the energy that sustains the one big life form and life on it, which is the planet, which lives for a very long time. If you think that way. But we don't think of the Earth as a conscious being, or most people don't, because you know, it can't talk. (laughs) It doesn't have words. But if it can. Huh? I don't know. I mean,
0: after all this research that we've been doing, I mean, think about it. The elephants speak through. The Earth using seismic
1: waves. That's what I say. It, not using words, right? right. It, th- there's a different language if you care. And this is one of the, the one, this is one of the issues I think when you get into when people are researching animals, when scientists are researching animals, because they're coming from the one standpoint of we are above them because we use language and we try to train animals to use our language, right? Mimicry, in a sense, they that's what they call it mimicry from birds to uh dolphins, belugas, whatever like trying to train an animal to use our language, yet we don't try to use their language, right? And because we think we're at the top of that chain as far as communication goes, and and so that's like that's what we're standing on when it comes to this stuff and so we don't ever think in terms of how does how do other how do trees speak how do trees communicate how does the earth as as this massive ecosystem communicate how do whales communicate well they only use sounds to communicate no that's not true it's much more than that right but that's only what humans see so i don't know so I think that th- this whole age thing is a fascinating topic. And I think it's, it's one of those things that feels just limited to the perception of humans, as far as like the limited understanding that we have on aging in general. I was thinking about this and it's like,
0: we have these like several different layers of uh idealized notions that we have about ourselves, human beings. But what if even we don't communicate? Like we communicate in only one of the ways that that are possible for us to communicate because we have language, we've developed civilization. But I mean, the whole point of this show is an exploration into, in a way, other forms of communication and other forms of, of acquiring information about mysteries to explore that which is unexplored right. and to to figure some of these like age old mysteries out or get closer. And of course, the more that we explore, the more questions that come up.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that if humans as a whole um, understood that that energy only transforms and that, you know, they will move along, humans will move along, if this was like some move along from this experience to other experiences, once the body collapses in on itself, that they had the perception and awareness of the continuum of that, how would that make it even matter that the human body only lives for 70 to 100 years? How would that matter? Would we focus on that? Maybe, maybe not.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of the, I guess, things that defines us as human beings is this struggle with mortality, right? When what you're saying essentially is actually energetically, maybe we're immortal, but we're we're diluted by this and saddled by this body that makes us believe that we have a certain amount of years here and all of these things, um, you know, and that what we do here doesn't matter almost when in reality, maybe what we do here really does matter more than right. we know. Well, that's,
1: that's what, what, when people th- like, oh, you only got one life to live and it doesn't matter what you do here that turns people into very narcissistic sort of oriented towards everything, serving themselves as opposed to helping others. It really does, because then there's no uh, there's no learning curve here. There's no like, well, I shouldn't do these bad actions because or I don't need to do these good actions because it's all about my own survival and taking care of my body and feeding my body. So that's one of the things that is a detriment to growth personally, I think. You know, we, we
0: hit a bunch of different sea creatures, but we didn't yet talk about one of the most bizarre sea creatures, the octopus. I think the octopus has to be, even with knowledge of the Greenland shark, the immortal jellyfish, all the things that we covered, I still think that the octopus has got to be the weirdest creature in the ocean. It's so bizarre. It's the stuff of nightmares. It's literally nightmares. Well, yeah, I mean, they turn it into nightmares, right? Like, like, right? No, but but I mean, sans Cthulhu and all of HP Lovecraft's work. If you're just to come across an octopus, it looks. Like the stuff of nightmares i mean we're talking about the stuff that probably informed like hr geiger's alien in in aliens i mean it's the tentacles you know the idea of these tentacles wrapping around you the strangulation um they're they can slip through almost any crack i mean they can flatten their bodies out so thin that they can get through a crack in your door. It's it's strange. It's you know the only bone that they have in their body I think is their beak and part of their skull, but they can flatten everything else out. So as long as they can get that through it,
1: they're going to they're going to squeeze through. Right, completely. But but here's where discernment comes in. Um when we when we I've been scuba diving and encountered Um, these creatures, I've encountered them before underwater and stuff. Um, I've remote viewed them. And, and when you remote view them, and have that that remote viewing discernment, you'll find that these beings are actually really cool. And their mind, their consciousness structure is not how people portray them on the weird you know, Cthulhu, Trinky side, Cthulhu side, right? It's not like that at all. They're, they're hmm. ex- exceedingly intelligent, and intelligence that that is like, that is not limited to a brain structure, an intelligence that's energetic. So that's when we've remote viewed them, their, their intelligence is like Akashic record type intelligence, where they can, they can reach out and grab information on and through an energetic field and they can be very they can be a little bit trickstery they can yeah. be funny they're funny as all heck they have a a personality to them mm-hmm. and and they are not a creature that is um that we would think of as um just a low level animal they're not no. they're an evolved being is what they are. I got to be aliens or something, dude. They, well, that's they're... what we find with all this stuff. Like, like when we remote view these animals, like we, we will sometimes trace them back to their origination point and we find on earth. Right. And we find that a lot of them were put here and a lot of them were like genetics that were um, added to things that were already here. In order for them to evolve here to see you know it's like there are a lot of beings out there whether they're extra dimensional or in the multiverse or universe that will make genetic their own genetic creations across the universe you know i don't know if a lot of people know this but
0: you were talking about the intelligence of octopuses and their whole bodies are like brains because they have neurons all over their bodies. So you, it's a j- massive brain. Like the entire thing is a sack of neurons. And I mean that I don't even have a concept of what that would be like. So like when you when you're telling me your your remote viewing data of of this like strange intelligence, like that makes sense because like their entire bodies are built to be like massive brains. Have you ever seen these things in the ocean, camouflage themselves into other things? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, I I know. Like they can look like anything under there. They change the color. They change the texture of their bodies. They become something else. And then all of a sudden they, they, they slowly change into something else and then grab their prey.
1: I mean, well, it, like, let's just cut to the chase here. I mean, all underwater sea creatures are, are absolutely bizarre, like from a remote viewing perspective, hundred percent bizarre. So one time we were tasked with remote viewing um, where this submarine went down, right? Where like where this submarine went down, what happened to it? And so I'm remote viewing and I've got a monitor and. And I completely focus now. I like when you're remote viewing like an operational stuff, you're blind. You don't know what it is you're remote viewing. You only go through the methodology that you know. So you've just got a set of numbers that someone gave you and you're remote viewing those
0: numbers and you don't know what it is. And then this data is coming in and you you document. Yeah, you're
1: just writing stuff down and you're doing your different movement exercises and stuff like that in order to get information. And so i'm describing this sort of i think it's underwater um it wasn't the primary focus but i'm describing this structure that's got uh that's got debris in it and stuff like that there's these girders and junk like that and and i got really focused on this thing that was like like putting rocks in its mouth and throwing up constantly And i'm like this 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 being this creature is like constantly throwing up it's like always throwing up it's and in the vibration of it was so bizarre and i got so stuck on what this creature was doing that i didn't focus on the submarine because it was had such a strange vibration and it was just like putting things in its mouth and throwing up putting things in its mouth and throwing up and it's like obviously like i get the feedback and i'm like oh man that was a fish like like remote viewing a fish is one of the weirdest things in the world because they'll do that. They'll just pick up rocks and spit them out, pick up rocks and spit them out. <laughs> An octopus, but see, when you get to the octopus, you've got this different layer, this different level of intelligence. We're talking about probably like a goldfish, right? It's like, that's probably one of the, you know, lower mind state type of sea, sea creatures. When you get to the octopus though, you've got this like, Thinking creature, you've got this creature that not only can think, utilize information in the three-dimensional or four or five-dimensional world that it's in within the water. You've got a creature that goes beyond that, that mm-hmm. utilizes a, a a larger brain structure, even connecting into other octopi out there in order to gain information on things. Octopuses, o- is it octopuses? I know, it's weird. All right, I'm not gonna go there. So like I, I remember doing that session and then I went to Rubio's restaurant to get some food and um, and they have a big fish tank in there with all these fish. And like, I just literally came off that session and I ordered my food and I just like stood in front of the fish tank for like, uh, like 20 minutes waiting for my food, just staring at the fish. Because once you connect into the vibration of, of beings in remote viewing, that that lasts. And so you begin to understand them more, right? And so the fish, they when you really connect and then you feel you have a fish in front of you and you're feeling the fish as you felt them in the remote viewing session, it's like you really begin to understand what they are and their vibration. And that never leaves you, you know? And that's yeah. that's one of the beauties of like being able to move into a different aspect of yourself with remote viewing or anything that's like that, to gain a, a, a more multi-dimensional sense of our world around us. But then you have like um, the whole Paul the Octopus story, right? Paul the Octopus yeah. was the, uh, the octopus that <laughs> called the winners of the World Cup games leading up to the main World Cup event. And, and this was 2010. And this was a South Africa uh, FIFA World Cup. So this octopus lived in Germany. And, and there were, uh, I think there were seven games that the German team played, and it predicted all the outcomes of every game for the German team. And then he also picked Spain to win the final against the Netherlands which was correct. So the way they did this was that they would put let's in his tank, they would put in a box on one side a sea urchin with a flag for Germany, right? And then on the other side <clears throat> they would put in a box another sea urchin with a flag for the team that they were playing for any given game. And with with their intent, they probably wrote it on a piece of paper too and like you know, put post-it note on the tank. Okay. Paul picked the team, right? Their intent. So here you have Paul picking up the psychic vibrations of the people and what they want. And so Paul would go eat the urchin urchin in the tank with one of the flags, whether it's a German team or the other team. And he predicted the winner of each team by doing it, by doing that. So when we had remote viewed this again, like we go back to this this multidimensional mind structure of the octopus. It doesn't just exist in 3D or 3 or 4D reality. It exists in a reality that goes beyond space and time. We do, too. We just don't realize that we do, right? And so that was was the beauty of this this thing that people were doing with Paul the octopus, who is now deceased. God rest his soul. I mean he was amazing octopus I love I love these guys. they're incredible so so that's the cool thing about 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 them is that like you know you what you were saying is that their brain structure is on their skin like their neurons exist everywhere all over their body. so it's like this field but the field extends out dimensionally in space and time in order they can tell the future right It's just that how do you get them to know that you want them to tell? tell you the future. You have to, you have to tap into what they are, right? So whoever was doing this had a, had an understanding about octopuses in general and what they could potentially do and decided to try it out, which is just very, very cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, this example seems to communicate that they have some sort of Multi-dimensional abilities, like you were saying, some type of psychic abilities, who knows what communication for these things are even like, can they, can they speak telepathically? You know what I mean? Right. It, it We don't know. I mean, if they're, they're obviously like, it's not, it's not considered possible to do what Paul the octopus did in society currently. Can humans do it? Probably. I mean, yes you and I both know that they can, but Paul's out here doing it. Like it's second nature. And then, I mean, honestly, it's like after that, anybody who wants to win a bet for any type of gambling is going to go buy an octopus <laughs> if they're smart.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> I mean, that is like totally insane. Cause we're, we're talking about, you know, I mean, with sports in general, it's like, it's hard to know, like who's going to win something like this. And I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conspiracy theories as to whether or not like sports are rigged in the first place, but Paul's nailing it every time, you know, I mean, there, there's other, I think people for a while thought that octopuses were just, octopuses were just these like normal animals. And then I think they started noticing, you know, there was, I think this one example I heard where, you know, there's an, there's an octopus in a tank and then there's, um, you know, a tank across from him in a room and they start noticing that, that there's like critters missing from the tank across every, every morning when they get up and they're like, well, what's going on here? So they put cameras in the room and they saw that at night, the octopus was getting out of the tank, crawling down into the other tank, eating what it wanted, and then going back into the tank and then, you know, whistling like nothing happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I say, they're little tricksters. That's, I mean, that's just like awesome. That's awesome! Crazy. They're like cats. I don't know. They remind me of cats a little bit, sea cats or something. I don't know. Like the attitude of octopus just remind me of that. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad they're not as nightmarish as I originally thought because I was really well, thinking I that mean, they the were. Big just...
1: one. I don't know, man. You know, yeah. you get to the ship size ones and like sinking pirates and stuff like that. Like in that beak coming at you, man. No. I mean. And-
0: I mean like which yeah which which species doesn't have their version of of a nightmare you know like right. sharks you've got the great white you know there's there's just lots of creatures that the bigger they get and the older they are the scarier they are sometimes right. you know so even big trees freak me out sometimes big <laughs> gnarly trees just there's something off about them like they oh, have some man. menace menacing to them that's like you just want to kind of stay away you're like
1: i'm not even touching you dude (laughs) like i know i know some trees like i've noticed some trees have a more pronounced consciousness than other trees and and i've run into situations before where i can hear them like coming into my energy field and, and trying to connect and communicate and talk and they're just I, yeah, it sounds nutty, but no, it's that trees have a consciousness that who it can it can span the like it can span the um, realm of good to bad humans. <laughs> Let's just put it right. that way. Yeah. Well, um, we should
0: probably end this episode here. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This was just a wild conversation on all the strange creatures of the sea. Um, actually on rise TV, if you're really into this, we have a whole series on, um, creatures of the deep and, uh, you should totally check that out because we, we cover all kinds of, we actually go over the Paul, the octopus, um, uh, story. And then we cover all kinds of creatures found in the sea throughout the ages, stuff we found on maps, all kinds of things. So if you're interested in that, definitely go over to rise TV and check out that series. Um, John, thanks so much for being with us. And for those of you watching, uh, stay tuned for next time, because the next episode, we're going to be covering dolphins, whales, the craziest, it's going to have to be a whole episode because it's just so much crazy stuff to talk about. So hold on to your hats, you guys. And thanks for being with us. And we hope you thought this episode was as out of this world as we did.